an awesome win for Arizona State Sun Devils football against a ranked opponent this year needs to be celebrated. And that's exactly what we're doing on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Our Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw. I am your host for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. The podcast, you know, it's free and available on all platforms. YouTube as well. If you want to check us out in that visual platform and see me wearing my beanie and my headphones on the outside of my beanie, believe it or not, I can I can hear, but it definitely looks kind of redundant. But wherever you do get your podcast, definitely uh, hit like and subscribe, turn on notifications, and never miss any new content we put out Monday through Friday to stay in touch with that content. Follow me on Twitter. You can find me at RichieBrads36. Find the podcast where there as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. All right, guys. I just, this whole episode, I want to appreciate what happened in this game. And we'll be breaking it down throughout the week. Tomorrow's episode, I will have the game balls. Uh, man, I, I have so many that I could possibly hand out. I mean, offensively, there's a ton. Defensively, there's a ton. Obviously, you know, um, uh, Carter Brown deserves one for six extra points and a 53-yard field goal. So there's all sorts of guys who deserve uh, game balls. So we'll get into those another time. But today, I just I want to spend some time and just celebrate this win. Because there's so many things that happen because of this win. But I want to go piece by piece. So first, I want to look at the offense. Emery Jones wasn't terrible. Unfortunately, he did get injured. And there are suspicions that it might be concussion related. Uh, when we got to speak to Sean Aguano in the, in the uh, press conference following the game, he did not give any further details on what's going on with Emery. He simply said that, keeping him out of the game for the remainder of the duration was simply a precautionary step, which is something the Miami Dolphins should be able to learn from uh, Arizona state, but you know, neither here nor there, I suppose at least pretend you care about your players, Miami. I don't know, but it was definitely in the best interest of Emory to make sure that they were going to do everything correctly for him and not place him in a situation that would have been dangerous to his actual health let alone, you know, the, the football career, which doesn't even remotely matter compared to Emery's brain. In comes Trenton Bourget. And what a wild career Bourget has had. He's been with the program, let me think, so 2022, 21, 20. I believe he was with the team for three years, and this is his fourth year. I believe he's a redshirt junior. Um, he, he's definitely a junior. I am 90% positive. He is a redshirt junior and I'm going to confirm that right now, but he, he stepped up, man. So that, that kid definitely had something to prove confirmed. He is a redshirt junior. I'm not crazy. He stepped up and he, he's sitting there and he just, he feels like he has something to prove. He had 12 career pass attempts coming into this year, three years. 12 attempts. 10 of them came last year in garbage time against Wazoo. I was at that game. 
he threw Andre Johnson's only touchdown catch of the year. He comes into this game, middle of the game, by the way. He He's not prepared um, in the sense of like taking first team snaps throughout practice. He comes in, he completes 15 passes of his 21 attempts. So more completed passes than he had attempts coming into this game. Throws 182 yards. He throws three touchdowns, three. By the way, that's more than Emery has thrown in any game this year. And Emery also had four touchdowns coming into uh, coming into this game. So Emery had thrown a touchdown in four straight games and then was, he never had double digit. So, but we're not here to slander Emery. That that's not the case at all. We're here to praise what Borgay did. He did throw an interception. It was an ugly interception. I mean, he just totally air, air, air mailed that ball. It was bad. But other than that, I mean, he was on the money. He looked comfortable. He wasn't afraid to move around the pocket maneuver in you know just uncomfortable and uh claustrophobic situations and he improvised uh he had some great guys step up with him too brian thompson hauled in a 38 yard beauty he ended up inside the five he might have been down at the one yard line i mean thompson was just playing outstanding geo sanders catches five passes 54 yards elijah badger catches two touchdowns both from borgay uh valade caught a touchdown as well from borgay the, the whole offense was just clicking this game. And I mean, to Emory's defense, he was seven and nine before he went out for 59 yards. So, you know, solid like 6.3 ish yards per attempt, but completing what's that end up being like low 70% completion, something like that. Emory was playing solid. It's just when, when Borgay came in this game, this game changed forever because Arizona state, from that point on, just put their foot on the pedal and they did not let up offensively. They dropped 45 points. They had 45 points, guys. They scored five touchdowns on offense. This 45, by the way, that's the most the team has scored all year. This is more than they put up against NAU in week one, 40. And this is the most they have put up since then pretty pretty considerably. This has not been a team that has been throwing up points in bunches. In fact, uh, in the four four losses they had, they put up 17 against Oklahoma State, 21 against Eastern Michigan, 13 against Utah, and 25 against USC. But look at that, 25 against USC. That was the highest prior to the NAU game. And now Washington threw up 45, the highest since the NAU game. So this team seems to be trending in a very good direction, which is something we're going to talk about near the end of the podcast. But for right now, what I want to talk about is this. The offense finally started putting everything together. So Xavier Valade continued to look great. He got back to his trendy at the beginning of the year of 100 yards and a touchdown in this game. 111 on 23 carries, one touchdown. Also caught uh, four passes, a season high, 22 yards and another touchdown. So uh, for you math whizzes, Valade has scored eight touchdowns in six games this year. He's very, very good. And... All the meanwhile, the, you finally have guys that are stepping up. Brian Thompson is showing off that deep threat ability that I believed he could have been capable of this whole time. Like last year, he he literally had to the dot 10 yards a catch. Coming into this game, he still wasn't anything spectacular, but three catches, 78 yards. Yeah, that's that deep threat ability I'm talking about. That's the kind of game breaker I want to see out of Brian Thompson, okay? 
I'm not saying he needs to be a thousand yard guy. I'm not saying he needs to be a hundred yards every game or a touchdown every game. I'm not even saying he needs a 40 yard catch every game, but stretch the field. That's something ASU has not been able to do this year. They haven't been able to hit it, whether it's guys getting open or just connecting on the ball entirely. They had that in this game. They had that respect that they were able to command from this defense. And they showed off that they're not afraid to throw this ball deep. They're not afraid to uh, just do what they got to do. They, they were ready. And they, like I said, they stepped up. This is a huge, huge game for the Sun Devils uh, offense. And they got to be incredibly, incredibly happy with what they got to see. Uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about the defensive side of the football in the next segment coming up here. But before we get that far, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe at my home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why I love it. I live out in the middle of nowhere, a uh, brand new development. And there's times where I feel like anything could happen. And with Simply Safe, I feel secure. I've got my cameras that are keeping an eye on everything. You know, they've got that crystal clear HD live stream. And I feel completely in control of my surroundings. With that 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agent will call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion and only alert you if the threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Our monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash lockedoncollege. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like simply safe. All right, back into our conversation now. I want to flip the script and look at the defensive side of the ball right after I remind you that this podcast is free and available on all platforms. Defensively, this wasn't the greatest game in the world, but they stepped up when they needed to. So for the first time this season, Michael Penix, quarterback was coming into this year as a legitimate Heisman contender. Through five games, he had 16 touchdown passes. He had just three interceptions. He was completing over 65% of his passes. He was averaging over 300 yards a game. In fact, even after this game, he has yet to pass for lower than 309 yards in a game. He's been insane. He's been an absolutely dominant quarterback this year. He's made himself a lot of money should he decide to declare for the draft. This definitely feels like a draftable kid, a developmental kind of guy, but he's been very, very good for the Huskies. Arizona State, for the first time this year, did not allow Michael Penix to throw a touchdown. First time this year, Penix did not throw a single touchdown in this game. 
Every other game, he had gone four touchdowns, two touchdowns, four touchdowns, two touchdowns, four touchdowns. So on his pace, he was only going to throw two. But he didn't even get that. He scored on the ground for the first time in his career, or not his career, uh, for the first time this season against Arizona State. But they they held him in check for the most part. You know, he he still threw for 311 yards, still completed north of 62% of his passes. But when you consider what Penix was bringing to the table, you have to be happy with what you got. Now, the run defense, that's a whole other thing. Uh, they, you know, literally, and like no pun intended, got run over by this run game. They gave up 134 yards on the ground. Uh, that does include three guys who had negative yards. Uh, Odunes, is it Romeo? Uh, Rome, uh, Rome, Rome. Uh, Rome Odunes had uh, one carry for negative three yards. He was their leading receiver. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, Michael Pennitz had three carries for negative six yards. Uh, one of those was a sack. And then uh, the team had a, this is actually how the game ended. And it was unbelievable. If you guys didn't watch this on third and however many, this snap from the, from the offensive lineman just sails past Dylan Morris's head. Yes. Dylan Morris, because uh, unfortunately Michael Penix went down with an injury. Uh, Godspeed. Hope everything's okay for him. Definitely just never, ever want to see that, but it goes straight past Dylan Morris. This thing ends up being a 30 yard loss and sets them up in fourth and forever. Arizona state's able to hold on and get this win, but take away the sack for Penix and take away this 30 yard loss. And they are sitting at, if I had to guess for what Penix lost on the ground, I would say he probably lost nine or 10 yards, something like that. So yeah, they would have had north of 170 rushing yards and they scored five times. Uh, their, their uh, running back Cameron Davis got in three times. Uh, Wayne uh, Tulapala, Tulapapa, I believe is how you say it. Uh, Wayne, I really apologize if I butchered that. Also got in the end zone. Uh, they they just did such a great job on the ground. There was nothing ASU could have done to stop them. Uh, Romeo Dunes was the man as their receiver. Uh, nine catches, 115 yards. He just he was everywhere when when uh, when the when the Huskies needed him. He stepped up. He was making plays. But again, the defense showed up when it needed to the most um, on the day. Uh, they they held Washington to just a 50% uh, third down conversion rate, and they only gave up one fourth down conversion. They were one of four on the day the Huskies were. The defense definitely did what it could. It was very much bend, but don't break, because they gave up 458 yards. They gave up 38 touchdowns. Or t- Holy cow, could you imagine if they gave up 38 touchdowns? They gave up 38 points. Gave up 38 points but they still bit down. They still fought tooth and nail and they were able to hold on to the win. They even gave up more time of possession to Washington than Arizona did with the ball, but they figured it out. They, they stuck down when it mattered most. You had some big plays from guys like Kyle Sully, who once again, uh, t- double digit tackles ended with 12 again, huge, huge, huge play by Jordan Clark gets the second interception of the year on uh, Michael Penix 
and takes it to the house. And it was funny. We talked to uh, Isaiah Johnson about this interception during the press conference. And he was like, dude, that thing, that thing hung up there forever. But then you see JC running underneath it. And as soon as he gets it, you're like, yeah, he's taking it to the house. That's exactly what happened. 38 yard pick six. Uh, this was the first pick six of Jordan Clark's career. I believe it is just his second career interception. But yeah, the the moment that that ball seriously was just floating in the air for an eternity to the point where you as a fan are sitting there like, oh my God, someone's going to be underneath this. And it's just floating and floating and floating. And all of a sudden this, this flash comes through takes this ball all the way back to the house is Jordan Clark could not have been more clutch. And what a great play that was. That was a game changing play. Honestly, that was a huge momentum swing in Arizona state's favor. And it felt like after that play, Arizona state woke up, uh, they recorded a sack in this game. Now, while maybe that doesn't sound like the most impressive thing in the world, let me preface it with this. You guys, Washington has allowed their quarterbacks to be sacked a whopping four times. Excuse me, five times. They have allowed five sacks this year. The whole season, they have allowed five sacks. Penix has been sacked just three times, and you got one of those sacks. BJ Green and Trevez Moore, who I've been hyping up all year, absolutely love them, were able to... Uh, meet up in the backfield, take down Penix. Unfortunately, Penix did get injured, and you hope that he's okay. Again, Godspeed. We don't wish that on anyone. But it was just one of those plays where you're like, everything is going right for Arizona State when you're getting sacks, when you're getting turnovers. By the way, they've had an interception in every single game this year. Six out of six games, you have had at least one interception. They have seven picks on the year. That is worth noting. That is impressive. Where this defense has faltered a lot this year, they are getting more opportunities for the offense. And you have some guys that are really stepping up, making some nice plays. And that's the Jade Silvera continues to be just a presence on the D-line. Jordan Clark was great. Corey Bethley's outstanding. He's just everywhere where you need to find him. The defense was just outstanding. There, there was like, besides the yards and the points, they, they truly did play a good game. So, but again, obviously all people are going to care about is that box score, unfortunately. But if you watch that game, when it mattered most, that defense stepped up. When it mattered most, though, those couple crucial drives, they were able to dig deep within themselves and figure it out. All right, one more quick little break from our friends over at Bet Online, and then we'll finish up this pod. But Bet Online is your number one source for football heading into this season. Find all the latest player developments team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball now that we're in the playoffs, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening right now at BetOnline, where the game starts. You guys know the drill. I'm, I'm going to promote this every single time I get a chance. You need to go and check out the Locked On Pac-12 podcast if you have not already. My boy Spencer McLaughlin is the best in the biz when it comes to keeping you up to date on everything going on inside the Conference of Champions. 
Plus, I pop on there all the time. So definitely make that your second listen of the day. Don't just stay in touch with the Arizona State Sun Devils. Stay in touch with the 11 rivals that we have to deal with going on. Again, make that your second listen of the day right after Locked on Sun Devils is your first. All right. Here is my final thoughts. And I'm really going to echo this. I was so down on this team. I I gave them so much benefit of the doubt coming into the year. I said this was a 7-5 and five team. They lost that game to Eastern Michigan. I firmly believed I did not see a guaranteed win on the rest of the schedule. In fact, I really only saw one winnable game, and that was Colorado. Even then, it's in Boulder. I didn't feel good about any game. After the Utah game where they got thoroughly slapped, these kids came into the came into the uh, media room. Nesta, Jade Silvera has come in every single week. And Nesta told us, we feel different. We feel different than we did. We feel like we had some of our best practices with Sean Aguano that week. We're ready to, we're ready to shock the world. They go to LA. 25-point underdogs. They lose by 17. But they played a hell of a first half. It was 21-17 in the first half. They weren't supposed to do that. USC pulled away, sure. They were supposed to pull away. ASU didn't go away. They were playing tough. They got an interception off of Caleb Williams. He hadn't done that this year. Incredibly impressive what they were able to do. After that game, I had to sit down and rethink. I was like, maybe I'm not giving enough credit to Arizona State. And I came on and I said, I don't know. Maybe I am a little more confident in a couple wins if they want to keep playing the way they're playing. Long behold, they go into this week against Washington on Locked On Pac-12. We had talked, me and Spencer, about Upset Thursday, which we do every week. You guys got to check that out. But we had talked about uh, this Washington ASU game, and I said, you know, don't sleep on ASU. I'm not taking ASU because I'm not I'm – not, I try not to be the biased fan, you know. I, I try not to be that guy who's like, ASU is going to win every week. I like to think I'm realistic. But I, I did say, you know, just – Keep an eye on them. Washington's coming off a loss. ASU is feeling themselves right now. ASU pulls off this upset. And now here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I see at least three more wins here. I I think I see at least three more wins for the rest of the season, which gets you to five and seven, which would be an unbelievable season considering you started one and four and you fired your head coach after three games. That would be just totally unbelievable to have that kind of turnaround. By the way, one of those wins was a ranked opponent. The three wins I see, funny enough, are all road games. Stanford. So that's not this weekend, it's next weekend. ASU is in a bye week this week. We're going to have a lot of coverage for you guys, by the way, just promoting that right now. Uh, basketball content is going to be starting up here pretty soon. Got to start talking about all the transfers that are coming in and the return of Marcus Bagley and all that good stuff. Um, but... There's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to digest with everything that's going on with Arizona State Sun Devils football. Uh, Stanford football is not great. They're not. They they had a decent game against Oregon State and just blew it. And I think they have one or two wins on the year. They're not a good football team. Sure, you're going to Palo Alto, but I like ASU. I like ASU a heck of a lot more than I like Stanford right now. And they harassed them last year. I like ASU in that game. That's That's win number one. Colorado, pencil it. Colorado is just bad. They're just bad, 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 bad. 
I don't see them turning it around. If they do, then, you know, I'll give them a little more credit heading into that game. But for right now, that's a lot. That, that's a win for Arizona State. Last game, and I've been saying this all year, and I will continue to say it until I'm proven wrong. They're beating U of A. I don't care it's in Tucson. I don't care if it's on the moon. I don't care if there's not a single Arizona State fan in that stand. ASU is going to win that game. They were going to win that game if they only had one win heading into this year. When it comes to the Territorial Cup and the duel in the desert, take your record book. Throw it out the window. Both of these teams don't care. They hate each other. And that's what makes it so great. That is what makes this rivalry so great. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you both are winless going into this game. It doesn't matter if you're both undefeated going into this game. No one's guaranteed anything. It doesn't matter if one team is winless and the other one is undefeated. You can't rule these teams out of each other. And U of A got exposed by Oregon. Shocker, number 12 team in the nation, right? But they have a heck of a gauntlet coming up. They still have four more straight ranked opponents. And then they close out the year with ASU and I believe Oregon State. Like this is a very, very tough stretch for U of A. And there's a chance they lose out, truly is. They have one of the toughest stretches to finish college football this year. They have three wins. That's huge for them. They had a winning record at some point. You need to celebrate that. And I'm not being facetious. You truly do. If you're a U of A fan, celebrate that. You deserve to. But know what's going to be a rough end of the year. And know that ASU is going to beat you for a sixth straight year. And they're going to beat you in Tucson. Moving forward, these kids have bought into Sean Aguano. These kids, they're all in. I actually had the pleasure of asking my first question as a member of the Arizona State Media. Uh, I asked Aguano, you know, what's it like to have these kids buy into you? And just a very articulate, very detailed response. But he basically said, you know, I'm just, I'm going to take care of you. I got you. You know, I'm, I'm here to support you. I'm here to lift you up. We got this together. That's exactly the mentality that this team has had since he took over three weeks ago. They believe in him. And that is more than enough to will them to a few games. And even besides those three, who knows? Maybe they can take down Oregon State and Tempe. Maybe they can um, go to Pullman and get a nice upset there. They're not beating UCLA. So that 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 is not even a pipe dream. That's just unrealistic. It is a lot different than Washington. UCLA is damn good. But... I have more faith moving forward, and I couldn't be happier about it. But we're going to have to save that conversation for another time because that's all I got for this edition of the Locked on Sunnibals podcast. You guys are the best. You make it your first listen of the day. You remember that it's free and available on all platforms. You remember it's also on YouTube. You remember to like and subscribe and turn on notifications. You remember to do all those things because you're the best fans and the best listeners in the world. Just do me one more favor and follow me on Twitter at richiebrads36 and you can follow the podcast as well at lo underscore sunables but until next time you keep it locked right here on locked on sunables